Welcome to episode four of the podcast. Attack for 20. We're, I guess, naming this episode um, Winning with Icelander in Uprising Limited. Yeah. Uh, and we wanted to start actually with, with a little bit something more casual. And that's uh, Yanji. Would you uh, do this weekend or last week? Uh, doesn't have to be fab related, of course. Yeah, it's like keeping you busy. I think, in terms of flesh and blood, the only flesh and blood that I've played was we did like an in person draft at Youngji's house. Yeah, we did two. We we jammed two drafts. Yeah, and then after that, I've just been playing a lot of Rocket League. (laughs) (laughs) What what did you draft at Youngji's? Oh, uh, I drafted. What did I draft? I drafted Icelander once. And then, then the second draft, I drafted. It was like one of four. I was like one of four fights, I think. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we like pivoted into it, but you did well. You like you went. We ended up only did, doing two rounds in the first draft because we wanted to jam a third one. But yeah, yeah. I, I think you went like undefeated, right? I don't think you. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I did fine in the first draft, and then I yeah I was two out. And then in the second, no, no, draft, you were I center in the first. Oh, yeah, draft I signed there. I was two out, yeah. and the final yeah. second. I, I was fine. You crushed me, and then. Uh... I think I was Phi again. It was unfortunate. Like, it just the way the packs broke down, like, I thought Phi was open. Yeah, what did you do? Yeah, sorry. Oh, this, uh, this is like uh, a, this is a setup. Michael just wanted to talk about his weekend. <laughs> uh, two days ago, I went to a store in Baltimore called Gamers Core, and uh, I drafted some guys, and I packed one, pick one, the Flamescale Furnace. Nice. And Icelander was very open, and I ended up just having just like a kind of mediocre Fey deck, but with, you know, Flamescale Furnace, it really helped in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Also, I never lost a dice roll, so I always got to go second, so. Nice. Um, that's that's a, it's kind of a shot. A shot at no, the, it's the, just, the players of... No, like, <laughs> I feel like... Oh, we can talk about this on a later episode, but like in the fame year, like, yeah. you know, if you go second and you have flame skill furnace, like, it, you know, it's just like harder to lose. Anyways, let's, <laughs> let's follow, let me follow up on the pack one, pick one tweet. So we typically, uh, and I think you and I are on the same page. We don't really like doing pack one, pick one yeah. content. Uh, we find that not only is it a little bit low effort, which I guess we are kind of low effort people, but um, it's that. not... <laughs> It's not like a good representation of like a good drafter. I feel like I feel like there's a lot of better ways to kind of test your draft knowledge or like kind of improve your draft knowledge. Um, so I do want to talk about that. I'm not going to talk about the cards in that pack. Uh, I just want to say a few things, and that is that uh, Yajin and I are both on the same page that we don't think there's like necessarily a single correct answer. Right. Um, and so there, there's like a like a range of cards that we think are all like good enough for pack one, pick one. But we definitely think there are some wrong answers. So there are some cards that are almost just like strictly worse, just like not good cards. Most of them are yellow. In fact, all of them are yellow. All the yellows like are just yeah, just yeah. not like we wouldn't recommend. Um, I think the one thing we wanted to mention is that like draft is kind of like a microcosm. So like when you draft a card, um, you have to keep in mind what you pass from that pack. And if it's not your pack one, pick one, what you received, because yep. all of that matters. Um, and also... You can still win a draft even if you kind of, you know, take the incorrect pack one pick one. I guess. Yeah, you can waste. You can waste multiple picks. You can waste the first three, first four, first five, whatever yeah. like picks yep. if you yep. navigate it correctly. 
And part of that navigation is knowing what you passed. And so like, you know, as long as like everyone who tweeted back, thank you guys so much for those responses. Um, as long as you had like some justification for why you thought the card you took was the pack one, pick one worthy card. I thought that was great. I think that being said, though, Yanji and I did have kind of like our pet picks from that pack. And mine is the the Quelling Slippers. Yeah, I like the Red Aether Ice Vein, which yeah. is kind of on target for what we're going to be talking about a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I did want to mention from the weekend was I got actually, I think like two or three people uh, either message me or like post on social media that they listened to the uh podcast and it helped them do pretty well at their rtns which is pretty cool i think oh yeah i actually met so shout out to caesar i met someone who literally was talking about the podcast not realizing that i was one of the hosts so i'm so glad that people are listening to the podcast thank you guys yeah michael whenever he meets somebody who doesn't know who he is he's like oh i can't believe this guy doesn't know who i am so i never think that so <laughs> i never think that anyway so the the main topic for today is playing icelander winning with icelander in uprising limited and i think we were inspired to do this uh based off alex Sneed's tweet yeah he was asking like uh for anybody who's gone 3-0 with icelander in a draft like how good do your, does your deck have to be and so we want to answer that question we want to answer you know what does winning or being successful with icelander in uprising limited look like before we even get into like the cards themselves let's talk about icelander as a hero what does icelander do and what are her like strengths and weaknesses we'll start off her what we think are kind of her weaknesses she starts at 18 health all right so she's gonna have a little bit less health than the other heroes. Mm -hmm. And in addition to that, her cards are less efficient in terms of pure damage. Um, of course, it's a different type of damage, but if you remove the type of damage and it, we're just talking about sheer numbers, her cards are less efficient. Yeah, if all you're um, doing is just like using the things to attack, like it, let's say if she didn't have any text and you're just like slinging your spells and then blocking and then they're just like, they, all your things do damage and then they just like come back at you. The five just like, doing his stuff, attacking with his weapon, they're going to win out. Yeah, the card, like her cards are just less efficient. They all basically have one less damage. Sometimes two. She's like a counterpoint to the other two heroes in the set, which kind of want you to play a lot of reds in your deck. She kind of is like flipped. So whereas like a five deck might want to play like eight blues and the rest like reds, Icelander probably wants to play like, <laughs> like eight reds and uh, like 22 blues. Obviously, it's pretty yeah. difficult to get like as high as 22, but yeah, um, you'll have some yellows and yeah, but that's kind of the goal. I think if you don't have enough blues as an Icelander, you almost can't do anything because you can't arsenal blue and to use your weapon. Often you're using at least a yellow, sometimes a blue to either, you know, deal one damage or quell one. Like there's it's it's maximum efficient to basically have two blues per hand. Yep. So we think that if your deck doesn't have like at least around 14 blues, because mm -hmm. that kind of increases the chances you'll have two blues for most of your hands. Yeah, it's just tough. Um, this can be a, like you can decrease the amount of pressure on your blues by having some zero cost cards. So this could be like zero cost Icelander cards that are zero for three, like the red ones or the blue ones, because the blue ones allow you to play a blue from your arsenal and then also just pitch a yellow to yep. use your waning moon and still basically have a turn. Also, like Scar for Scar and Flex, like the, the red ones are extremely efficient. But in general, like like if you're playing like Phi and you have like a bunch of yellows and blues, you can still have turns. Like you can still 
you know, attack with go again, swing with the weapon, get the Phoenix Flame. You'll just do a little less damage. But if you don't have blues and ice center, sometimes you just don't do anything. Like you just have to pass your turn sometimes. It's really awful. Yeah, like for the other heroes, uh, when they play a like a yellow, they give up um like one point of damage. Uh, if you're playing Iceland, Icelander and you have like a yellow in your hand when you as like the last card and you arsenal it, you, it's like sometimes detrimental. Like you need yep. to take more damage to like get it out of your arsenal and then put it on the blue in there. Yep. It's really very important to have enough blue non-attack actions. I guess the last I guess weakness we're we're attributing to Icelander is sometimes you just get like donked by Dromai. Like there are cards that Dromai and sequences that Dromai can do that are just it's really rough as an Icelander. Just like playing a Yenderai, playing a Necria. Yeah, especially the the dragons, uh Themai. It just like shuts you out of the game. A lot of the dragons that have large uh, toughness, it's just yeah. very difficult for you to be able to deal with. Especially like once you once you get to like Yenderai or Necria or anything that has above four, it becomes yeah. like very difficult to like efficiently play your turn out. You need to be able to kill the dragon in one turn. So you need to be able to kill four or five damage in one turn. And sometimes it's just like not possible anymore. So... For all of her disadvantages, then why would you ever want to play Icelander? The main advantage is instant speed. Yeah. And so instant speed in Flesh and Blood works, I think, a little bit differently than instant speed in a lot of other games because of how the turn cycle is structured. So if you play Kano in limited or in uh, constructed formats, you kind of understand this. Um, but for anybody else, usually like most of the other heroes in Flesh and Blood can't really do anything at, at instant speed. And I think when you mean instant speed, you mean dealing damage. Yeah, yeah, speed. dealing damage. Killing your opponent. Yeah, we see that uh, Legend Source here is very um, conservative with giving people damage at instant speed. Like yeah. Ryanar has it with uh, with like one defense reaction, yeah. and then a Chain had it with one with one like invert, card, yeah, invert existence. Yeah. And basically, like part of the reason why damage on your opponent's turn is so powerful is specifically just for like the very last turn of the game right yep uh and let's talk a little bit about like the math that goes into it so in the context of uprising draft if you're playing five versus five which is like a pretty like quote-unquote normal matchup you're both yep. attacking each other with like attacks on your turn and blocking in order for you to do damage to your opponent you have to survive the turn right yep so there's like certain life totals that you can't really go below, or if you do, that you have to like threaten a certain number of cards out of their hand. Yeah. So like if you go to like I think it's like around eight, like five can like very easily do eight with three cards. Yes. Um, and so you're gonna have to like block a card out of your hand at least, and then it scales up like the more damage that they're gonna do, uh, with like the number of cards. Um, yeah, you gotta survive, and you gotta have cards. That's the only way you can deal damage to your opponent. You survive their attack, and then you have at least one card to attack them back with. Yeah, and then so, like, if you get caught, like, below the life threshold where you have to end up just, like, blocking your whole hand out every turn, like, unless your opponent just, like, straight up bricks a hand and that's just, like, doesn't have go again or, like, can't, like, do damage, then you're just, you already lost the game, but you're just, like, waiting for them to finally put it together. Icelander kind of breaks that rule, of course, right? Like, when we're talking about instant speed, uh, because she's able to put a card in her arsenal and actually play that card on your opponent's turn, it kind of bends the rules a little. And I think the most damage that a blue card can do out of Arsenal in this format, well... It's it's three. So like the, the red, uh, the blue uh, Ice Vein. Well, well would, the, most, uh, the most is like Atoma Duplicity. 
but that's like okay sure uh but yeah like the most like reasonable amount of damage that you could do is three you can with like alongside your weapon threaten up to like six damage on your Mm -hmm. opponent's turn which is pretty strong because like you don't even have to like wait like you don't there's no like timing you don't have to wait for your opponent to like finish their attacks it's just like as soon as they do anything that gives you priority you can just like throw six damage at them and so i wrote this down as like depending on how much like arcane barrier like things uh that they have because you have this opportunity to do six damage at the end of your opponent's turn that is somewhat like guaranteed damage uh let's say if they have arcane barrier one you do six over two sources they can block at most two of it and so you're doing four damage guaranteed and for any other character to do four damage guaranteed they would have to like represent at least 14 to 15 damage right yeah yeah and so when you when you put it that way like for for the very last turn of the game that blue that you put in your arsenal represents like that much damage like theoretically yeah and, and theoretically in that sen- same sense like if you're able to kill your opponent um like that way like you have gotten a huge advantage um mm-hmm. like you've nullified basically their entire hand if they weren't able to uh either arcane barrier to stay alive or um you know, use like an oasis respite to stay alive. You basically nullified like three cards or uh, their entire hand and basically their entire turn. And that's like a, I don't know, 12, 14, like huge life swing advantage. Yeah. And I think part of this also kind of lends, it like puts the impetus on you to, to mm-hmm. get your opponent to like that point in the yep. game. Um, yep. If you're just like trading cards with them and you're just like planning to just like block and try to like grind them out uh, without like doing any damage. Like you're not gonna block them at like the, the the amount of damage that you would need to do because you have the natural disadvantage of of all your cards just doing less damage. It's like so difficult for you to like grind them out in the same way that like like a guardian can. You yeah. Have, so like, I mean, this is a huge advantage. I, I I don't know if we are able to kind of give you guys that feeling, but we think that you know, and I think you know LSS the game designers do think is a huge advantage. That's why Icelander actually starts with a health mm-hmm. uh, handicap. And I think the only thing we want to note about this is like there often becomes like this like cat and mouse game in the last turn situations where as an Icelander, you can get this huge advantage just like one-shotting your opponent and just like nullifying their entire hand. But if they have an Oasis Respite in their hand, they can almost just one-shot you because you typically are committing like two cards to to do something like that. And, you know, you're probably in a low-life situation if you're kind of having to gamble like that. And they can just... It's almost like using Oasis Respite aggressively to stay alive and then kill you. This mentality may might help you as a fade drafter or as a fade player kind of board in those oasis respites like they're not just defensive sometimes they are used almost aggressively and then the other thing her other main advantage is that she gets free frostbites when she plays ice cards from our arsenal and so frostbites are worth about like one because they tax your opponent one resource but can be worth more than one point of damage depending on how like your opponent's hand breaks out yeah like if your opponent was planning on like attacking with a searing ember blade and they had two resources allocated for that, and you give them a frostbite. Now they only have two resources, and they can't even like Ember Blade. That's technically like worth like one and a half. If they, they could still do something with that remaining resource, but it's almost worth like three. Yeah. If you just like straight up like they can't searing Ember Blade anymore. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's worth none because they were just gonna have a floating. So like, there's variance on how much damage a frostbite is preventing. Um, but typically, like you know, one maybe two, like one and a half-ish is like a good uh, metric. And it's free. Like, this is not like Dromai. Dromai has a pitch of red to make an ash. Like, Icelander just, like, 
in the drafting process, you just needed to get some blue ice cards, put them in your arsenal, and and you get rewarded with the prospect. Yeah, and those are uh, maybe like because of this reason, but then also just like in terms of their efficiency, like some like the, some of the blue ice cards are just like the cards that you want to pick anyways. And then uh, the last part about um, the kind of Icelander, like what makes Icelander strong is her weapon's actually quite good. Two resources for two damage is just as efficient as Searing Ember Blade on your opponent's turn. Yeah, two two resources for three damage. Or sorry, yeah, two two yeah. resources for three damage. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. is quite strong. Um, yeah, I I like to think of her waning moon as like two resources for three damage on your opponent's turn. With sometimes when your opponent kind of whiffs, you can also do two damage on your turn. Like that's that's how I think of the weapon. Like we're not trying to do two damage on our turn with that weapon. I think I've done maybe four or five Icelander drafts now. And yeah. I've played maybe like, I don't know, I'd like 10 games because not all the sure. drafts I play all the games. I yeah. think I've activated Waning Moon on my turn maybe like three times. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's just uh, it's a, quite a big disparity. Part of the reason is also because in order for you to do the damage on your turn, you have to give up blocks. So the so just as a quick overview, the, yep. the cons, she's less efficient. She's very like ratio dependent. You need all the blues. And sometimes she's just like gets destroyed by Dromai. Yep. Uh, the pros, of course, we can't understate this enough, is just instant speed, dealing damage at instant speed and killing your opponent on their turn. Yeah, and cheating the, their hands. Yeah, cheating the turn cycle, essentially. Yep. Uh, the free frost bites. And then just like Waning Moon is powerful. Like Ember Blade is also really powerful. So it's just like, you know, she just has a powerful weapon, but that still is a pro. Yeah. Okay. So now that we kind of know what her strengths and weaknesses are, then how do you identify, let's say you've decided, okay, I want to draft Icelander or, or how do you even get to that stage? Yeah. Get to, get to the, get to that step. Yeah. Yeah. This chapter, this part is going to just be, I guess, navigating Icelander or drafting Icelander, you know, the part zero or, key, or step one of success is Icelander got to, has to be open. Um, yes. And what do we mean by Icelander being open? That's just, there are not that many Icelander drafters in your pod. There's eight people. Mm -hmm. Ideally, there's two Icelander drafters. Um, yep. Obviously, the most ideal situation is one, and it's just you. But, you know, oftentimes there should be another. People should be able to kind of figure out that she's open. Um, how do you tell that she's open? Well, there's a lot of Icelander cards left in the packs. Knowing the knowing the pack like distribution is pretty key. Uh Icelander is a little bit harder to read than Dromai or or Phi because for those two, like the their dedicated cards, you basically just have the the two or three two to three commons at the end. But mm -hmm. Icelander can have ice cards appear in the generic slots. Yep. So it's actually pretty important, I think, to like keep track of those slots uh, when you're when you're trying to figure out is Icelander open, is Icelander not open. What are some of the cards? What are some of the the things that you're looking at um, to decide whether or not these cards are good? Kind of funny. The, actually, the first card for me is Spellfire Cloak. Yeah. Like that's like a pack one, pick one, pack one, pick two, pack one, pick three situation mm -hmm. where, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be a nice end, but this is a really, really good start is getting that cloak. And we talked about this in our episode two, but cloak, sash, these are worth like two damage. It's like being able to start the game with two extra health. Yeah, agreed. Uh, some of the things that Cloak lets you do, for example, is it lets you play like a two-cost card out of your yeah. arsenal and then plus use weapon. Uh, 
with mm. only one blue and then so like just doing that uh kind of unlocks an extra point of damage by itself there's and it also just unlocks a card like you end up having to draft like a blue polar blast or a blue polar cap and you yep. have no choice like otherwise you wouldn't have really been able to arson that card efficiently yeah definitely uh in the mirror i would say that it's almost mandatory if you don't yeah. have if you don't have av i think you're you're just kind of kind of stuck the ways i identify ice center is open i i kind of want to touch upon that is usually around pick three pick four pick five and pick six so not the first two picks yeah. all right uh usually like three four three to like seven i would even say basically before i get my my pack back yeah um uh, there's just a lot of eye center cards and and often not these the way the pay, the packs break down it's there will be a little bit more eye center cards than dromai or fey like it's not impossible to see literally six commons that are all eye center like it's or uh sorry five and that's like there's two ice cards in the first three card slot mm-hmm. and then there's three more eye center cards in the the back seven and that's yeah. not counting rare or foil so yep that's a pretty good signal and not only is it like a pretty good signal that it's open so if like pack three pick pick pack one sorry pick three four five six i see like five or maybe six i center cards because one's a rare one's a foil um and i know you wanted to maybe talk about this in a future episode but it's just like one of those things where i have a good feeling that if i take an i center card i'm also going to be able to wheel an i center card yeah yeah i Um, I think uh we i want to talk about this more in detail later on but i think there's like you need a little bit of courage when you're playing draft. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, I know a lot of people um, are kind of like well, especially like when you get a, a pack that's just like really strong for like any hero, right? Yeah. And you see like oh, I could pick this like really strong card, but then I'm passing another like really strong, a couple other like really strong cards, and maybe like all all of my like future opponents are are gonna go like into like these things. Into the same hero that I that I'm going, and then my pack two is gonna be pretty bad. I think that in in those scenarios, like you also have to come with the understanding that basically when you're passing the pack, their opponent is more uh, the people that you're passing to are more committed than you are at the t- when you see the the pack. Like they mm-hmm. they've taken more cards, and you're not gonna like get wheels unless you pass good cards, right? Like like it's just not going to happen like if 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 there's two cards for Icelander in the pack and you're like oh if i just pick pick one and then and then the the other people are going to see that Icelander is quote unquote not open well like what happens if there's one other Icelander card or Icelander drafter in the pod you're just going to get nothing back from that pack so i think you do need a little bit of courage yeah there's a balance there's a balance for sure so yeah like you know that's like the easiest thing way for me to tell the high center. So there's just a sheer volume of high center cards. Yeah. Now, you know, sometimes it's because they're all yellow. Yes. Um, so we do need to talk about, you know, what are the good high center cards, but um, step zero for drafting I sender is I sender is open and you have identified I sender is open and now you're going to be an I sender. So let's talk about step two or step one, sorry, is just drafting I sender. Um, we already talked about one of the key cards, Spellfire Cloak. So yeah. getting that out of the way, uh, we're just going to assume that at some point during the draft, ideally in the first pack, you've picked it up. Uh, what's the other kind of like, uh, there's like a checklist. There's only three things on this checklist for us. Yeah. Uh, the second thing on the checklist is the a good blues. amount of blues. I yeah. think 14 is kind of our minimum. Uh, it's our guideline for you guys. Like if you can't get 14 blues, so on average you're getting about five blues per pack, yeah. it's going to be a rough time. 
it I, is going to be a rough time. I think knowing that also, uh, sorry, to go back to the earlier point to identify whether or not Icelander is open. If you see like packs and they're like all red and yellow Icelander cards, but and you count like the number and it looks like there might be like some Icelander cards missing, that's not like a sure sign that like there's not like two other Icelander drafters. Maybe they just took the blues. Yep, yep, yep. Just so like a sheer need, volume, yeah, yeah, yeah. You need more. You need more blues in your deck total. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, and then I think the only other checklist we have is kind of like a it's it's a two parter. It just says a lot of six attacks in case you hit dromai, and then in parentheses, or you just dodge the dromai. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think it's kind of interesting because I think Icelander will definitely struggle in drafts where there's like a let's say there's a, a solo Dromai drafter yeah. and then your your uh, pod breakdown is like four fives, three Icelanders, one Dromai. Oh yeah, that Dromai is gonna like feast on you guys. Yeah. Most likely. the Dromai might actually lose to like one of the fives, but if but I think that it's like really difficult for Icelander to be like a very good Dromai deck. Yeah. Yeah, agree. Um, but I mean, like, alternatively, yeah. there could be four Dromais, so you have a high chance of hitting them. Yep. But then at that point, it's hard for them to individually beat you. So, kind of interesting balance. But uh, obviously, uh, for uh, in terms of all the three heroes, I think I prioritize poppers or the six six attacks that trigger phantasm much higher when I know I'm already in Icelander. Yeah, I think uh, you were talking about this earlier. I think yellow Feindel's Fighting Spirit has to be like, yeah, like a top tier card for Icelander, just because yeah. you can use the yellow to like activate your Waning Moon when you don't need it. Uh, yeah. When you do need yeah. it, that's it's great. It, it gains you a life yeah. plus pops. So we go over like part of the reason why poppers are so uh, integral to beating Dromai with Icelander, particularly like if uh, the Dromai decks are a little better, is just that it's really difficult for you to compete with them either when they play like two for eights or when they play um these like dragons like yenderai necria whatever that you just like cannot like efficiently like deal with yeah so that's our checklist spellfire cloak a bunch of blues at least 14 and some poppers yep. now um in terms of individual cards uh we're not going to go through each one but we do want to talk about uh this versus that is is what i'm calling this so we'll start with blue versus not blue yeah, uh, I think when you're given that choice, I think 90% of the time you should be going with the blue. Like there should be a really good reason you're not you're taking the not blue. It's probably a red. I was going to say here's like a scenario that might come up like pretty often. So, let's say in the pack there's a red Aether Hail, which is a pretty good card. There's a blue Brain Freeze and then like a blue, I don't know, like Arctic Incarceration. And you're I would say like quite early in the pack so or picks, so you still haven't like really fleshed out your Flush out your deck. I think a lot of people might actually be tempted to take the Red Aether Hail just because, like, on face value, like, that card is just, like, quote-unquote stronger than the other mm -hmm. two cards. But I think for the function and, like, how well your deck is going to function, I, to me, like, a lot of most of the reds function in the deck, like, kind of the same. Like, they're all just, like, damage that you do on your turn to, like, push your opponent into a break point so that you can kill them on their turn. And the only exception, I think, for me is Red Aether Icevane. Like, that's the only card, and then we'll talk about it in a little bit more detail a little bit later. But I think that's, like, the only card where, like, the value on that one card itself is just so high that I would want to pick it. Yeah. So, actually, Yenji and I are a little bit, like, kind of different. We're mostly aligned, but I, for me, even, like, Red Aether, Ice Fang doesn't hit it for me. Like, I would still prefer to take a blue in those mm -hmm. situations. Um, 
But the general gist is, look, like 90% of the time, maybe even 99% of the time, you should be taking the blue when you get the choice. The second this verse that we have is damage dealing versus utility. Yeah, so you have cards that are like utility cards. Like you could have, let's say, like blue strategic planning, blue brain yeah. freeze, blue yeah. healing bomb, whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sigil of protection. Uh, these cards might affect the damage race in some way, but they don't do damage. Yeah, there's no right answer here. It's not like a 99%. I think we bias towards damage healing, but the, some of the utility cards are a lot better than others. So like blue strategic planning, for example. I think yeah. that card is actually like first pick, first pickable for me now. Oh like, yeah, I first pick it all the time. Like, so it's it's really <laughs> funny. I, uh, I have a quick anecdote. I did a draft last week at a store called Sip and Play in Brooklyn. And um, everyone knew that I was one of the Icelanders. We didn't know who the other one was, but for some reason they all knew it was me that I was one of the Icelanders. I, I had shared, divulged nothing. And then they're passing this pack. And then one person's like, oh, I can't pass that to him. I'm like, what are you guys passing to me? And then they're like, there's a frost hex in that pack. I look at the pack, there yeah. is a frost hex, yeah. but there's also strategic planning. And I'm just like, uh, <laughs> I like slam the strategic planning. I just pass all the other cards. And I'm like, guys, frost hex is really not that good. Yeah, we had like, a... Why did you slam up the card so quickly? And I'm like, uh... <laughs> we had a We had a game at Youngji's. I think I played against you. Actually, yeah, we did like two or three test games after that. Yeah, you as, juiced me. <laughs> I had two blue strategic plannings in my deck, and basically just like every time I played against not only you but another person who was playing Phi, yeah. and just like every time on their first Phi activation, yeah. they didn't respond to like strategic planning, and then you just like gank them out of like four four damage throughout the course of the game. And you and it doesn't even cost you a card because it draws it back. Yep. Yeah. So like something you like uh. By that same regard, blue cold snap is not that bad as well because it also nets you a card. Um, yep. it's just, damage dealing versus utility is just something we want to talk about. Uh, you should lean towards damage dealing, but particularly cold snap and blue strategic planning are pretty good utility cards. Yeah, a lot um, of the damage comes from your weapon anyways. And yes, in yes. Those scenarios. Yeah. Ice, ice versus not ice. <laughs> yeah. I think it depends. I would almost always pick damaging ice cards like the wizard ice cards that also block three yeah over almost any uh like non non ice card just because you get the free value out of your uh hero ability yeah and to me it has to be blue yeah yeah yeah, sorry blues uh but then yeah when when it comes to like the other colors um it's tough i think i would still pick like the ice damage dealers over most non-ice cards yeah uh yeah. just because they're also like a little bit more efficient yeah i think it's just something you got to keep in mind so red ice cards you got to play them like you're not pitching these you if you if you find yourself in a situation where you have to pitch them you're it's not a good situation yeah you don't want to arsenal them so when you're fusing with them it's really bad it's really kind of awkward mm-hmm. um but the yellow ice ones you could fuse and still get a winning moon yep so it's something to think about uh, but yeah, in general, like, yeah, you should be prioritizing the ice cards. There's going to be less of them. So <laughs> if you prioritize them, then you'll actually have some. Versus if you don't take them early, then, you know, you're not going to get them. Yeah. Uh, and something think, you mentioned. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, like, also, like, hitting Fuse on... There's, like, a couple of power cards that Icelanders access to. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Sigil of Permafrost, Aether Ice Vein. And it's just, like, if you don't hit Fuse on these, those cards are just not that good. Yeah, if you hit yeah. fuse on them, they spike a lot. 
yeah, they're worth a whole extra card basically mm -hmm. when you fuse. Yeah. And in fact, like brain freeze is not even, doesn't even do anything if you don't fuse. Oh, you it, got so. to look at their hand. Oh yeah, I forgot. Okay, that that's worth like half, I think, half <laughs> a point, I guess. Yeah. So there's something that you did mention is block three versus block two, and I think this one is a lot more like clear to me at least. Like yeah. there has to be a very compelling reason that I draft a block two over a block three. Oh yeah, you're telling me you don't like read the ripples. No, I don't like. No, I don't like read the ripple. Okay. I don't like cold snap. That's not blue. Like basically, blue read the ripples is kind of like, like if you provided that as a token, like I could just have one or two. Yeah. I'm still not trying to put that in my deck for free. I feel like that would make the format way better if they just made the read the ripple the token card. Like that's the power level I feel like that card is at. Like <laughs> you just you're like, oh, here's a token card that you could just put in your deck, and I'm like, ah. I'll try not to, but if I have to. Yeah. And then, of course, the last thing is cost zero versus costing one and two or three. Mm -hmm. And uh, we highly encourage you guys to draft as many cost zeros as possible. Um, when you guys are playing, which is the next thing we're going to talk about, these games out as Icelander, especially versus Faye, um, just these cost zeros just give you a lot more flexibility. It kind of just gives you less opportunities to screw yourself, to kind of put yourself in a bad position. Yeah um when when it comes to blocking and 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 kind of planning out your turn yeah i think especially like when like because you, you don't always necessarily know like what your opponent uh has so yeah. one thing that having a cause zero does it gives you like great modularity yeah. uh so if it's like the last card that you decide either to block with or to not block with if you block with it then whatever if you don't block with it then you play it yeah, but if yeah. you get stuck with like uh like a one or two cost two costs are definitely i think the worst um yeah. If yeah. you get stuck with a two cost, then sometimes like if you if you block like you just end up with an extra card in your hand. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so like general preference, try to get as many blues, try to deal damage. There are some good utility cards, but overall try to deal damage. Obviously prefer the ice card, prefer the block threes, and prefer the cost zeros. These are all this versus that. You know, different scenarios require you to think about it differently, but those are just things that we wanted to bring. Um I think the next thing we want to talk about is just drafting or start playing Icelander Unlimited. The one thing I want to talk about, and I'll give you the mic afterwards for playing Icelander Unlimited, is I'm terming it the flow. And that's basically, it's different when you play Icelander. For, for, like most of you guys, and I personally have not played a lot of Kano Unlimited, um, but it's different. Like you're gonna, there's a certain thing where you're blocking typically of like one or two cards. And every single turn, you're basically trying to arsenal card. So you're actually kind of intellect three, like you're playing with three card hands, but yep. only four cards because you're playing also the card from your arsenal that you set the turn before. Mm -hmm. So turns are often like not really like as clear cut as you might be used to in terms of like, you know, when you're just playing like in Welcome to Wraith Draft, you have, you have four cards, your opponent has four cards, you play your four cards, you draw a fresh new hand. Your hand gets kind of bleeds onto the next turn. Yeah. based off your decisions on this turn um so it's just something to keep in mind right like you're always like trying to plan like what card am i arsenaling this turn the answer sometimes is you're not going to play your arsenal card and usually this is because your opponent's attacking you for so much damage and yeah you, you just, just like, have to block your whole hand <laughs> yeah and you can't block with your whole hand or block of three cards pitch a card because I, I don't think i ever really want to be in a shields down situation like that yep. um sometimes you do like you know like it's it's hard to I'm just saying, like, most of the time you try an arsenal card. Sometimes you don't because you just don't play the card from your arsenal. Mm -hmm. Rarely do I want to play the card from my arsenal and not arsenal card. 
Yeah. Um, that's like a very rare situation. Uh, I think the goal is to be very efficient with your cards. Make sure to be waning moon your opponent on their turn, practically every turn, because you have to be pressuring your opponent, even though it does feel like you're blocking a lot, or else you'll never get them in a situation where they're basically in what we call the danger zone, which yeah. honestly like could start at 12, but really realistically starts at eight. Yeah, I mean, like you, you have to like figure that if we talked about Icelander's character profile, if her like main strength is basically putting your opponent, uh, putting your opponent dead on their turn, then you want to kind of maximize your ability to get into that situation, right? And another way you can kind of lose as Icelander, uh, and we kind of alluded to this is getting caught with extra cards in your hand. Yeah. So your opponent attacks for three, you don't block the three, then he attacks for like one or two, and now you don't want to block that either because you don't want to use one card to block those. Mm-hmm. And then he plays like a healing bomb. Oh, you got me so many times with that. And then you 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 have like three cards in your hand, but you can only really utilize like one or two. Like yeah, it's yeah. like so... Like you basically just lost an extra three life. Like their healing bomb gained them three and dealt, dealt you three. Yeah, definitely. Um, So... Just, you know, by blocking early, you do kind of get yourself in trouble if they have, uh, what's it, Stoke the Flames, I think is the most punishing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, sometimes they don't have Stoke the Flames and sometimes they don't have like nothing almost and you just have extra cards that you, you know, you, <laughs> you can't really do anything with. That card is really good. Yeah, yeah, Stoke is just a good card. Another way to, you know, so that's like, try not to lose, it's just try not to block poorly yeah. trying to win is knowing when you just like your hand is like this hand is great i'm gonna take the damage and i'm gonna do like great things and i have to take damage this is my pivot turn uh and identifying pivot turns for our center is a little bit different i think you know, do you have like some examples yeah so i think uh the main example that i can think of like this is like the pivot that you want to hit is you want to have basically you have a five hard hand at the beginning of the turn and you have an arsenal set up. So you can use a blue to play your arsenal card and use Waning Moon, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And then your last three cards in your hand is a an ice blue, yep, another blue, and an aether ice vein. Yep. And if you add up all the damage, so if we assume that the arsenal card somehow affects life about um, five altogether with or, this actually uh, is a three-turn sequence, by the way. It's starting from turn zero on your opponent's turn, then you have a real turn, yep. then you're trying to kill your opponent on turn, like, I guess, two, which is your also your opponent's turn. You, you actually don't, you don't, yeah, you don't need to kill your opponent with this sequence, but it basically, sure, sure. It, it, like, the value, like, value-wise. Yeah. So I wanted yeah. to focus on, like, the value of, like, this, like, five-card hand. Yep. Um, assuming that the arsenal card somehow affects life around, um around five points and i mean yeah, you can like do that blue aether hail you can do it with a blue aether hail you can do it with a frosting and a quell you can do it with sure. um yeah. there's like a couple different ways that you can do it but then you you do five damage somehow with that plus your weapon then you play the aether ice vein on your turn uh so that does another five you're at 10 damage you make them uh discard a card or like pitch uh, mm-hmm. And then so they lose two to three points there. Mm-hmm. 
and then you set up another blue ice card to be able to mm -hmm. do another five damage. So this yep. is around like 19 points of life, like swing. An actual damage is probably about 15. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, I forgot to mention, you also get like one to two frostbites there. Yeah, so, so like in total, it's five plus five plus five, 15 damage. Yep. It's uh, two frostbites mm -hmm. and it's a potential discard trigger. So either pitching two or uh, straight up losing a card. Yep. Yeah, so that's like almost 20 points, right? If you value a card three and then value each frostbite at one. Yeah, so because this five card hand provides so much value, you it's like worth kind of face tanking um, for. And so you kind of have to be cognizant of that. Like like if this is your how you're going to uh, kind of like turn the game around, then you need to set yourself up to have enough life total where you can kind of like tank around like that. Yeah, like you can't block with any cards with that hand so if they if, if the five is having what we call like an average hand which is like a 13 damage hand yeah. that means you need to be at 14 <laughs> when this sequence starts mm -hmm. yeah but, I mean, but that's, that's just like that's just like that's like one of the ways that you can win like i mean like you, there's like variations on it you don't need to have like an arsenal card you can block with one of the cards in your hand it's like a three card hand at minimum Mm -hmm. um but like that's just like what you have to think about uh another thing that you can get a pivot with is if somehow you can generate a large number of frost fights there's certain there's cards like uh arctic incarceration red um eisenhow weather vane or sigil permafrost that all can generate around like three frost bites each at least yep and if yep. you get your opponent kind of like uh stuck with two or three cards in their hand that can provide like enough value for you to like pivot because you spent essentially like um you spent one card to cancel out two cards on their turn yeah i will make a note though that red arctic of the three that you just said is like the easiest to kind of pivot into that situation yeah oh, yeah i think definitely. like red eisenhall <laughs> like you need a lot of like scary for me sometimes yeah and uh Red Sigil of Permafrost and less so, but Red Ice and Howl particularly is just like the stars sometimes have to align and sometimes the stars do not align. Yep. And um, this is just like a thing I, I kind of want to mention. It's just like the yellow Ice and Howl sometimes is a little bit better because when you don't get it, when the things do not come together, oh, at yeah, least yeah. you can pitch it. Um, and that's just kind of a general thing with, uh, I don't know, with that Ascender is just. Like we're so if you're so used to playing Fi and playing Dromai, you're just about the reds and being efficient. But there are times when the yellows are okay. Like I don't feel that bad having them. And sometimes you pitch it and you're just like, thank God this is a yellow. So Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think the whole point is that like you need to somehow generate like this value somewhere. And it's really difficult for Icelander to generate the value just from doing damage because all your cards just like do equal damage if you're using them to like attack with like the reds yeah. i kind of wanted to end the podcast with talking about literally just what some of our 3-0 Icelander limited decks have looked like um yeah you have had more i've had a lot less i've only drafted once but mm -hmm. i have played i did four pre-releases where i played Icelander. all i did Icelander at the ohio like team sealed so that yep. was like five or six more rounds um so I just started with like one of the ones that I kind of remember pretty vividly yeah. um, and that I thought was more realistic. Like uh, one of my pre-releases, I had 22 blues in a seal pool. So like, I just like, that's not realistic. I did like go undefeated, blah, blah, blah. But like, 
I don't think I'm ever going to see that again. Yeah. But one of the ones that I've won with, I've had 17 blues. Mm-hmm. I had seven yellows. Yep. And then I had six reds. So it's kind of like my base configuration. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have Spellfire Cloak. I had the slippers. I had. Um, I did not have a headpiece besides the miter. I had the uh, uh, Frostburn uh, yeah. arm piece, the quilt arm piece. Um, I think the most important thing I, I kind of learned about that deck was that I did not have to play like basically any block twos. Like everything in my deck I could block through with. Mm-hmm. And that just gave me so much flexibility um, when it came to kind of navigating through hands. Yeah. Um, and that a lot of the yellows were just like fine. Like I would find you don't get that many opportunities. Like there's only going to be like five or six turns in the game um, typically. Yeah. Uh, but I would find at least like one turn where I'm pitching a yellow and I don't feel like terrible. And like I typically feel terrible having yellows. So like, <laughs> I, I don't know. It just like was like news to me that the yellows when you're not blocking could still be a real card. Because when you're pitching a yellow dealing three, like, you know, that's the same thing as blocking for three. For yeah, card, so. all, all of the Icelander decks that I've won with, I think had minimum 16 blues. Yes, yes. That, wow. th- this one deck I wanted to call out because I had only 17. And I actually thought it was so bad because, you know, you were with me at most of these pre-releases. I was oh, just yeah, yeah. somehow opening like like 20 blues, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. every single one. Um, but I only had 17, and it was still winnable. I, I did go uh, undefeated at that pre-release as well. Uh, I did face a draw my, but like that—that that, that was the only one game I felt like I got gifted because they—they they, uh, pitched Necria. Oh yes, yes. On like turn like one or turn two, I can't remember. In my head, I would never pitch that guys. Like if you're draw my, you're against Icelander. Yeah. Like I'm taking the extra damage, doing whatever I can. I'm gonna hold it in my hand for turn cycle if I can't like play it. I think. Uh uh like you said i i've drafted one icelander deck that ended up having like 14 reds and that was definitely like the most awkward um to -hmm. play uh definitely the most success is when i have around like just barely breaking double digits like 10 10 reds and then the rest is like blues and yellows yeah yeah um i have always played Spellfire Cloak in all of my Icelander decks. Yeah. And I have never played Read the Ripples in any of my successful Icelander decks. Yeah, yeah. Um, That card, like, can we just talk about that card for like half? Like, I, that card is so awkward. <laughs> like, I can't believe it's it's worded the way it's worded. And I can't believe strategic planning also exists. Yeah, yeah. Because strategic planning says draw a card at the beginning of the end phase. Yep. And read the ripple says at the beginning of your end phase. Yep. Like this is a huge difference for a hero that's playing in your opponent's turn. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think that almost all of them have had. Uh, I want to say all the successful decks have had at least uh, or no more than uh, I would say four of my reds don't do damage. So that's. Either brain freezes or sigil protections or Asus respite. Yep. Um, because yep. if I if I am playing reds, I do want them to do damage, especially I think for the mirror, it's important. Uh, if you yeah. if you just have um, if you just have cards like brain freeze or like arctic incarceration, it's like really difficult for you to do enough damage. I think in the mirror, yeah, you're just buying time. Like the whole first phase of playing Icelander into non-Icelander is you're just trying to deal like 10 damage to them so that you can like they're within a turn cycle of getting into the danger zone yeah and then especially and then the mirrors it's a little bit trickier because 
oftentimes uh, you will just have cards that kind of awkwardly float around because you can't block as easily. So maybe you just like pitch it to Arcane Barrier or something. Yeah. And so you're just like not affecting as much. um, Yeah. You're not affecting as much damage because the most that you could affect on the block is two. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you have to take a level of extra damage as I send your mirror just so you can play a red because you don't want to pitch it. You don't want to like draw it again. Eh, This happens. Yep. Uh... Yeah, I think that's basically what most of my decks look like. But you don't you don't need I think the nice part about drafting Icelander is that you actually don't need any of like the rares. It, I think it's a little bit different from Dromai in that sense where I feel mm-hmm. like a really good yes. Dromai deck you need rares. And I think it's also somewhat true for Fi where you want to have like the rising resent or what is it? Rise Mount, from the mounting, ashes? Mounting, mounting anger. Mounting anger. Okay. Rise from yeah. the ashes. Like, like these cards are like the power cards. Whereas I think yeah. for Icelander, like basically the power just comes in consistency. That's yeah. it's, it's kind of like drafting Guardian in that sense, where if you have like the right ratios, um, mm-hmm. you that's like what's setting you up for success. Actually, it's so funny that you mentioned that. Uh, lately, I have been preferring drafting Icelander. Uh, because of this, because I love decks that reward you for having more blues, and more blues kind of gives you like a resource advantage yeah. and consistency advantage. Um, and it's kind of funny because like her weapon like deals a lot of damage on a turn cycle, right? Yep. Like you're doing five damage if you're you know attacking both turns. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just I love I love blocking, play pitching, blues, and I don't know. <laughs> and no, I'm saying oh, and also okay, I think the most cool thing and i hope this encourages you guys who are kind of on the fence uh about drafting icelander uh is it is so much more intellectually stimulating to me at least mm-hmm. playing icelander than like the famir like nothing is more miserable to me than playing famirs mm. like we roll the dice someone goes first or second whatever and then we're just like bashing each other for like the two turns and then one of us is like oh no like <laughs> I'm in the danger zone. My hand all blocks too. <laughs> the yeah, guy's like, yeah. "Oh, my hand all has to go again." Like, you're dead, and you're like, "Oh, I'm dead." And then, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's not satisfying for me. So, I hope that we have said some useful things or insightful things. Um, but you know, Yandi says this all the time. But we're we're always looking for feedback. So if you guys have like more questions. If you guys disagree with something we said, like please, by all means, like comment or just reach us on Twitter or DM us. Um, yeah, but yeah, we typically try to say like kind of everything that's on our mind and not really sandbag or hold back anything. Next episode, we're probably going to cover Dromai and draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little bit trickier. Uh, topic. Yeah, and then we may or may not do a five episode depending on how Michael's feeling. <laughs> yeah, so it's. Yanji kind of wants to do one. I, the really reason is just because I feel like it doesn't require a forty minute. You don't need to listen to someone talk to you for forty minutes to learn how to draft five. Like I feel like I mean that might be talk. that might be a good episode because in two weeks we're gonna be going to Utrecht, so that'll be a, a nice a nice short one. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Well, we could spend a little bit more time on kind of like the 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 min max edges edge cases where I think that you know little things that you can do. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. All right. Thank you for listening. Uh, at the time that this goes out, we will be on all of the platforms. So I will post, uh, if you're listening to this on Spotify, uh, give us a, I don't even know like what, what you do on Spotify. 
I think it's like reviews, but we'll talk about that in our next episode. Yeah, but uh, we sh- it should be like available, and I will post the links to everything when I uh, when I post this on social media. Great. Thank you guys so much for watching, and we'll uh, see you guys on the next one.